So we are still in the Gospel of Matthew. Today we're in chapter 4, and we're looking at verses 12 to 25. If it's your first time here today, a warm welcome to you, and I'd just like to explain that we preach through the Bible verse by verse. And um, so last week we looked at the first half of chapter 4 of Matthew, and today we're looking at the second half. And today we're at the beginning of the works of Jesus among the people. And after we see his baptism by John the Baptist and his testing in the desert by the evil one, Today we're looking at the purpose of Jesus, the calling of the first disciples, and his ministry among us. We read verses 12 to 17. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which was by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in the darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we read here at the beginning that John the, Pap the Baptist is in prison. He had yeah, allowed himself to rebuke King Herod for the lifestyle that he was living in and because of this he was arrested and actually the chronological order um, is not that this happened right after Jesus' testing in the desert but some time later in the Gospel of John uh, we read that the preparation of the way through John the Baptist overlapped with the beginning of the works of Jesus. The reason it's not so clear here is because the Gospel of Matthew doesn't run chronologically but goes according to specific topics, which is why it's helpful to look into the other Gospels so that we have a picture of the chronological order. Now, we read here that Jesus left his home in Nazareth and moved to a place called Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee, or also named the Lake of Gennesaret. Now, this is the region in which the two tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun settled into the promised land in the time of Joshua some 1,400 years beforehand. 
And if you ever look at the map of the Promised Land, you get a good picture of what is described here. And so these two tribes are mentioned. And the great prophet Isaiah had already spoken in the Old Testament that a light will come upon this land. And so by going to Galilee, Jesus fulfills this prophecy. And now Galilee was a, a seminal, a fertile and forward-thinking population. And Jewish historians say that about 3,000 people lived in the region of Galilee in that day. And for that time, this was quite a lot of people. But the majority of those who lived there were non-Jews, so non-believers in terms of the Jewish faith. And this is exactly where Jesus begins his ministry and begins to bring light into the darkness through his evangelism. In Luke chapter 1, verse 79, in the description of the purpose of Jesus, it says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. to bring light to those in darkness and in the shadow of death. And this promise seems ever more important since what has taken place on the 7th of October. Jesus came to the world to bring light into the darkness. And at the moment we see the darkness, the evil that is reigning in our world and that's exactly where Jesus began to reveal the gospel of God some 2,000 years ago, that he came to bring light into the darkness. And in that time, in the time of Jesus, the Jewish folk was under the occupation of the Romans. And so the religious leaders and even a majority of the population had waited for a political messiah. They had looked for a king who would reign on the throne and bring Israel to its strength and glory again. But Jesus presents himself as one who came to obtain lordship in the hearts of people. He didn't come to rule Jerusalem, but to reign in the heart of every man for that is where the darkness is. And everything that we've seen in the last few days, the hatred, the darkness, it all springs from the heart, does it not? And even if it does, a solution is found in the Middle East and no more blood is shed. Even when that happens, the darkness in the hearts will remain. And only Jesus has the power to break through that darkness and bring true peace. 
And the way to that, he starts by, or he opens by declaring, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And repentance is something that we spoke about extensively two weeks ago, because this was also the clear message of John the Baptist. Repent means have a change in your heart and a renewing of your mind. Turn to God. And when we turn to God and confess all of our sin, then he receives us with open and loving hearts. As we see it in the parable of the prodigal son, the son left his father's house and lived in sin. And then he turns around. And this is a picture for us turning back to God. And God or the Father does not push him away but receives him with open arms. And Jesus himself is the light. And through the forgiveness of our sin that Jesus won for us on the cross of Calvary, he gained victory over the darkness. And whoever believes in Jesus and accepts him as his Lord and Savior no longer lives under the power of darkness, but in the eternal light. And the word of God says that we receive a new heart. Jesus moves into our heart with all of his love and grace and power. And he will be the center of our hearts. And the heart that allows Jesus to live and dwell in it is able to love and pray for his enemy. And that's only possible through Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Jesus was the true light, which gives light to every man. And when we pray for the Middle East, let's pray more than anything that the light of Jesus Christ would enlighten those there, whether Arab or Jew, whether Muslim or not, that each of them would gain cognizance of the truth and allow the light of Jesus to work in their heart. But even each of us needs to be freed from the darkness that is in our hearts because that is the only way that we can enter the kingdom of heaven which is at hand. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, there's a description of the purpose for which Paul was called by God. And it says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. That they turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That is the gospel. That is the message of the gospel. And now we read the verses 18 to 22. 
And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Follow me. Maybe you've also wondered before how quickly these men just follow Jesus without asking any questions. But it's not quite like that because the Gospel of John tells us that before this encounter with Jesus, these men already knew about Jesus. At least Simon Peter and Andrew um, knew about Jesus. And in John chapter 1, 35 to 42, It says, again, the next day, John, who stood with two of his disciples, looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following him, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas which is translated as stone. And so in this passage of the Gospel of John, we see that Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were already disciples of John the Baptist and therefore followed Jesus because they recognized him as the Messiah, which John had already announced. And so perhaps it was like that with James and John, who we see also just suddenly follow Jesus. And I found it interesting, I find it interesting that in some way they've already started following Jesus because they knew about him before. And now he doesn't only tell them to follow, but also to leave every other thing behind and come with him. And I also find it interesting that Jesus says to them, come and see. 
And then the second time he says, come and follow me. So first he invites them to get to know him. And that's what they do. They spend a day or maybe it was a few days with him. And in this time they saw and tasted how good the Lord is. And so after this encounter, that second step into what I want to call full-time ministry was no longer difficult. It wasn't difficult for them to leave everything and follow him. But of course, it was a big step of faith for these four men. It was a huge step of faith. Because by following Jesus, they left all of their security behind their good job that they had as fishermen, their stable job, the provision of their families. They left everything and trusted Jesus. They trusted him and then they followed him. And their purpose and their calling to be fishers of men became clear to them. Just a shift in the job description, so to say. And they were obedient to this calling. And they did not let themselves be held back by their security or maybe by their own plans that they had already made for their life. Maybe they thought, well, our father Zebedee won't work much longer when he retires we'll take over the business for sure they had plans but they leave all of that in or order to follow Jesus from their whole heart without hesitation they give themselves to Jesus wow and in Matthew chapter 10 verse 39 Jesus says he who finds his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. And from biblical history, we know very well that none of the disciples of Jesus were perfect. In fact, they were more chaotic and egoistic and proud. Jesus named James and John the sons of thunder, which implies to us they were had a lot of temperament. They had fight in them. But Jesus didn't see what was right in front of his eyes. He didn't look at their weaknesses, but he looked at their faith and their surrendered hearts. And these were preconditions for him him to change the world through them faith surrender obedience the willingness to live the old life behind is the price that each of us who wants to follow jesus has to pay and now we heard that jesus came to gain rain in our hearts and in order for that to happen, we don't all have to go into full-time ministry necessarily. But still, it will require surrender and submission 
when if we want to follow him not only to speak it and pray and declare Jesus reign in my heart in order to do this we it requires surrender and submission from us whoever wants to gain his life who must lose it first and so Jesus had a mission he had a great mission for indeed he came to establish the kingdom of God here on earth and his plan was to declare the gospel in the whole earth and to build up the church and in order to start this big world project and to lead it he calls fishermen fishermen why fishermen Why not some kind of gifted and highly educated people that would be more suitable for this mega project people who have a good standing in society If you read a job description for a manager no fisherman would even think about applying for a manager position for indeed they'd be completely underqualified And so why does Jesus call fishermen? I'm sure there are few reasons. Jesus himself was a carpenter. Maybe he thought these are my kind of people, handy, hands-on people. I can work with them. But I do think there's much more behind it. And I think there are two fundamental reasons. I'd like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 to 31. And here we get a a picture of who God calls and why. For you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty verse 27 again but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and god has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised god has chosen and the things which are not to bring nothing to the things that are that no flesh should glory no flesh should glory in his presence but of him you are in christ and who became wisdom for us from god and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written he who glories let him glory in the lord and i remember when about 6 years ago the lord called me to pastor this church here in minster i resisted this call 
I said, God, hey, I am not qualified. I only have a Hauptschule qualification. I, start, I studied carpentry. And you want to send me to Münster, to the students and the academics? Yes. Exactly. I have chosen the weak of the world who have difficulty even speaking German as a German person. <laughs> the usual things. So that no one glories in himself. And that no one depends on the wisdom of man but alone on Jesus and Jesus who b has become wisdom for you. That's why, fishermen. And the second reason, in, in my opinion, is even more fundamental. In Acts chapter 4, we read about Peter and John before the Sanhedrin and in chapter 13 it says now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus in service to our Lord it is not about what we can do for him out of our own strength and wisdom or our gifts, but it is much more about what Jesus can do through us. How he can use us by coming alive in us and speaking and working through us. Jesus called fishermen to show that he can use any person despite his education, his background, and his gifts. Jesus can use anyone and everyone. We don't need to bring anything to him. We don't need to bring our gifts and talents and education. We only need to bring our surrendered heart where he is allowed to reign and a heart through which he can work and glorify himself. That's what Jesus needs. And just to be clear, if you're students or academics, this shouldn't hinder you from serving Jesus. It's about a surrendered heart. Verse 23 to 25. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So Jesus moved through all of the region of Galilee and used every opportunity 
to teach, especially among the Jews. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God and taught from the scriptures. And in Luke chapter 4, we read a report of a, an interesting encounter in Nazareth where he was in the synagogue and was prompted to read from the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And he rolls out this long scroll and reads what we know as Isaiah chapter 61. And he cites the words that prophesy about the coming Messiah. And after he reads this word, he rolls the scroll up again and says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I am the promised Messiah that the prophet Isaiah spoke about. It was his deep wish to reveal himself to his people that they may recognize that he is the promised one of the Lord. And so he taught and tried to open the eyes of the people. And he did it also through all of the miracles which he performed and all the people that he healed. It was unbelievable. And so again in Luke, in chapter 6, verse 19, it says, And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. Isn't that beautiful? Just to see that Jesus walked among the people and the power of God just permeated out of him. And of course, these wondrous healings attracted all sorts of people. Masses of people came from the surrounding regions. All of them came. And it says they came and they followed him. And just to speak to the younger ones, Jesus had a lot of followers in his time. And Jesus used these healings not only for the freedom of the people who were ill, but to draw people to see the healing, freeing, heart-transforming work of the power of God. And people could see the light that Jesus himself was and experience his power. And this is why they came to him. And when we read this, we, we could imagine that it went well. That masses of people came to hear him and maybe came to be saved. 
And we'd think that even those that heard the gospel and were healed of their illnesses, we'd imagine they, they would have recognized that this is the Messiah. But what at first glance looks like sincere followership was just a brief moment of excitement. They were indeed excited about him and um, profited from all of the healing that was taking place. They let themselves be drawn along with him because they knew something was happening here. But we will see as we read further in the Gospel of Matthew that in the end, it was only a handful of people that truly followed him and gave him room to reign in their hearts. The light named Jesus, which came to the earth over 2,000 years ago, is still on today. And one would think that maybe the light is shining even brighter. But unfortunately, it's not that the light has become brighter. It is that the darkness around us has become even darker. The darkness has always been there, but it has become even more visible. And if you are one who is still living in darkness, I want to invite you today to accept Jesus and that you take this word up for yourself, this repent and turn to the light. This is why Jesus came to the earth. This was his gospel. This is our gospel as his church to tell the world to repent and come out of the darkness into the light and follow him. And if until now you've seen and tasted a little bit how good the Lord is, but you haven't uh, made it clear in your heart, then take the opportunity today. And maybe if you're still struggling to leave things behind, even though you know that they're not good things, then I want to encourage you today. Leave everything behind you, just like the disciples. Even all the securities we've built up for ourselves, we can let them go because Jesus wants to show us. He, he won't let us fall. He wants to show us that with him, we will have everything we need and the securities we've built up for ourselves have been empty ones. And so I encourage you to let go. If there's anything you're holding on to, let that go and choose to hold on to Jesus instead. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you came into this world to bring light to the darkness. I thank you, Lord, that you shine and you still shine today. And you shine here today through your word.
through your love and your grace. You shine through your warmth because you are tangible and because we can experience you. Your presence is here. You are truly the living God who came to die for us to take our guilt upon himself so that we may be free, so that we may come out of the darkness into the light. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we may know you and that you have become light in our life. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to shine in this world as your disciples, that the world may recognize your light through us and thereby recognize you. We thank you, and we thank you also for the examples we have in James and Peter and John, Andrew, and all those who followed you. You called them, Lord, and they left everything behind in order to serve you. And you did unbelievable, amazing things with them. And we see even when we look in the book of Acts that you turned Jerusalem on its head through that first church. And you used simple men because they gave you room in them. And I pray, Lord, that you gift us the same that you help us to give you all the room in our heart so that you can do wonderful and great things through us. We praise you, Lord. We worship your name. Amen. <laughs>